0: of the last chapter in the book of Philippians, so I want to ask you to stand with me one more time in the service. I promise you, you will be seated for the remainder, (laughs) but we're going to read the scriptures of Philippians 4, 14 through 20, uh, actually right through the end. Here's what it says, Paul writing to the Philippians. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me greet you, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before your word, and we ask that you will speak as you see fit into every heart. We open our ears, we open our eyes to you, we open our hearts to you. Have your way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are in this room with us. You are in us, leading us, guiding us, directing us. Touch every life with the power of Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. So we've been talking about this this book, the the book of Philippians, and it's important to remember that I've said this a couple times, I want to say it again, that the book of Philippians is not a book. The the book of Philippians is a letter. It's a letter from a man named Apostle. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he's probably the greatest Christian missionary in the history of Christianity. He brought the gospel from Jerusalem to Antioch, all over Asia, Greece, the Roman Empire. He brought the gospel everywhere he possibly could. He would start a church in one city, move on to the next city. Start a church, move on to the next city. Start a church, move on to the next city. And he brought this message of Jesus to all these people. We are here in this room in large part because of the efforts of the Apostle Paul. And because it's a letter, we have to remember that every letter has a reason for why it's being written. Usually you start your letter with, the reason why I'm writing to you is, and then you you state the reason. Well, in the book of Philippians, or in the letter of Philippians, Paul waits until the very end to get to the reason why he wrote the letter. And here in the last chapter, in the last half of the last chapter of Philippians, we finally realize why Paul has chosen to write this book to the Philippians. And it's a very unique reason. And the reason why it's unique is because usually when Paul writes a letter to a church, it's because that church has gone off doctrinally or it's gone off in practice or it needs correction. It needs discipline. It needs guidance. It needs to get back on track. It had lost its bearings, and now it needs to get back to the truth of the gospel. But here in Philippians, that's not the case. Philippians needs no correction. This is a wonderful church. Of all the churches in the the New Testament, I mean, if you read about what Paul has to share with the Corinthians in two letters, they didn't get one letter. They got two letters because they were that messed up as a church. They needed two letters. Uh, they, that he had to settle out all these kinds of problems that the church had. The church in Galatia had, had abandoned the gospel and had abandoned the message of Jesus and got back to Judaism. And, and Paul writes them a scathing, rebuking letter, but not to the Philippians. The Philippians are a great church. They're a good church. They're almost, apart from what we talked about two weeks ago with Yoida and Sinchi, they're, they're probably the, the best church out of the New Testament. They're a great church. Church, they're loving Jesus, serving Jesus, loving each other. You know, they remind me of of you. And I mean that. I mean, that's not a joke. You are a wonderful church. You are a really, really easy church to pastor. Uh, You you do not present (laughs) problems. You're going with the flow. Uh, We love you. We thank God for you. Whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it because you're an easy church to pastor, and we love you. And that's what the Philippians were. And so the reason why he sent the letter is because the Philippians had sent Paul a gift, a monetary gift, through a man named Epaphroditus. Somebody say Epaphroditus. And so he send, they send Epaphroditus with this monetary gift to Paul, and Paul gets the gift in Roman prison, and he sends them a thank you note. That's what the book of Philippians is. It's a big, long thank you note. Thank you for the gift. And it's an amazing thing. I thought about this. The book of Philippians has a huge number of coffee cup, awesome Bible memory verses. You've noticed this as we've studied it, haven't you? How many amazing verses of the Bible that we quote, that we don't even know where it necessarily is from in the Bible, we quote, we know, we can say it from memory, they come from Philippians. Like Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you have gotten through some tough times because of that one verse? Or Philippians chapter two, verse five, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. Or Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can't tell you how many funerals I've shared that verse with. Uh, Or or Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, a fabulous verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How many love that verse? These are all from Philippians. And then, of course, the coup de grace, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We know these verses. And then we just read another one, right? And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. These are coffee cup bumper sticker t-shirt verses that we wear, we tattoo, we have in our minds, we clothe to ourselves, and they all come from this big thank you note from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians for a monetary gift that they sent to him while he was in prison. And I just thought about this. If this church had not given Paul that gift, he would not have sent this thank you note and we wouldn't have these verses. And it's an amazing thing that God does when his people are generous. God does incredible things with money. God does things with money that nobody else can. God takes money and turns it into souls saved for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God takes money and sends missionaries overseas to unreached people groups around the world. God takes money and brings hope and life to a community like North Attleboro, Attleboro, and beyond through a church like yourselves who live to be a blessing, not to be takers. God can do amazing things with money. It begs two questions. Number one, and these are free, these are not in your notes. Who do you need to bless? Who could be your Paul that you just need to bless them with a monetary gift or a a word of encouragement or something that they did not expect and they desperately needed, a phone call at the right time? And then number two, who do you need to thank? Thankfulness to call somebody up and to say thank you for what you did. To write somebody a thank you and say, I thank you because of you I am who I am. How important it is to be people who are generous and people who are thankful because God can do incredible things when his people are generous. And that's what this message is about. God takes money and turns it into priceless reality. So one question. And it's a famous question from a very famous string of commercials that you've all watched for Capital One credit cards. What's in your wallet? <laughs> Today, we're talking about money. We're talking about giving. We're talking about funding the gospel, the joy of funding the gospel. And you'll notice in the title, I capitalize the word fun. Because giving should be fun in Christ. How many of you love a good sermon about giving? Put your hands down. <laughs> Most of us don't. We don't want to hear about giving. We don't want to hear the pastor talk about giving money because usually, usually when we hear that, we think, oh, yes, I know the church needs my money. I know, I know, I know. we got to pay for things in the church. And you hear about all the needs in the church. The church needs a new air conditioner. So come on, come on, come on, give, 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 give so we can pay for the air conditioner. Or the church needs new pews. The church needs new carpet. Or the pastor needs a new BMW which I agree with and (laughs) kidding. And usually we hear these things about what the church needs to pay for stuff. The church needs to pay for these things, pay for its rent, pay to fix something. And we don't want to give to that. It doesn't really light a fire under us, does it? It really doesn't light us up to give for new carpet, to give for a fixed air conditioner, to give for the rent. I mean, you don't even want to pay your rent. Never mind the church's rent. And I want us to be released today. I want to release you because I don't want you to give to this church out of need. I don't, want to give, I don't want you to give to this church because we need things. Because ultimately, I have to tell you that really, we don't need things. We just need the gospel of Jesus Christ because God can do what he wants to do in this community with or without this church, building with or without these pu- seats, with or without the stage, with or without the lights, with or without our children's ministry, but God can do excellent things as we continue to feed into the gospel of Jesus Christ and see people's lives changed. So when you give, hear me now, write it down, make sure you remember this. We don't need it. We don't. Should you all stop giving today, the church of Jesus Christ will go on. God will raise up somebody else to give and to fund because he blesses his word and he blesses his message. And he is all about sending the message of Jesus as far and as wide as humanly possible because once the world has fully heard about Jesus, Jesus is coming back. And that's the truth of the word of God. What's interesting about Philippians chapter four? It's actually kind of funny because for a thank you note about money being received by Paul, he keeps reiterating in the fourth chapter of the book that he really doesn't need the money. I mean, he keeps saying this. Basically, the theme of the last chapter is, thank you for the gift, I really didn't need it. Thank you for your generosity, you shouldn't have. Over and over and over again. Look with me, a couple of verses, verse 11. Not that I am speaking of need, that's his way of saying, I really didn't need it. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says, I could get along with it. I could get along without it. It's nice to have it, but it doesn't make me any more special or feel any better. In verse 12, he says, I know how to be low. I know how to be abounding. I know in every circumstance. I've learned the secret. We talked about this last week. In plenty and in hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Paul's like, I don't really need your money. Verse 17, again, the same chapter. Not that I seek the gift. In other words, I don't need the money. But I seek, look what he says, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Here's the difference between giving in every other realm of your life and giving to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the difference. In every other realm of life, you give and you lose. But when you give to the gospel, when you give to the work of Jesus, when you give to the kingdom of God, you gain. You gain credit. And really what I love about verse 17 is here's what Paul's saying. I don't need your money. I do not need your money nearly as much, Philippians, as you need to give your money. And I want to say to everybody in this room and everybody who says this is your church, we don't need your money. We don't need your money nearly as much as you need to give it. Because God is seeing what you're doing and is going to credit you increasingly as you fund the gospel. This is the fullest expression of Christian living. The fullest expression of Christian living is not praying, the fullest expression of Christian living is not going to church, the fullest expression of Christian living is not doing nice things for your neighbor, the fullest expression of Christian living is giving. Giving, what's in your wallet, Do you know why the fullest expression of Christian living is giving? Because our whole faith is based on God giving. If I could summarize the Bible in one word, not one word, one sentence, if I could summarize the Bible in one sentence, I I could summarize the Bible in two words. Like the shortest, the the, the big long book of the Bible in the shortest sentence possible. Now every sentence needs at least two things, right? All the English majors, every sentence needs at least two things to be a sentence. What does it need? Number one, it needs a subject. Number two, it needs a verb. And so summing up the Bible, this big long 66 book volume, two words, one sentence, here it is, God gave. That's the Bible. In a nutshell, God gave. In the beginning, God gave life, light, earth, land, sea, animals, trees. In the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve freedom. They blew it, and God gave a second chance. And then God gave Abraham a blessing and a family and a son, a nation, prosperity, judges and leaders, a king, David, Solomon, riches, worldwide fame, wisdom, and they blew it. And then God gave them another chance in, in Babylon and in exile and called them back and gave them prophets and leaders and Nehemiahs and Jeremiahs and, 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 and uh, Esthers to lead them out and Daniels to lead them out of exile. And then, and then God gave them back their land again. And then God gave the greatest gift the world has ever seen, his son the most famous verse in all the bible subject god verb gave john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son what's the bible in two words god gave and to truly understand that and to truly be god's people is to understand that you serve a god who willingly gives above and beyond over and over and over again and he gives when you don't deserve it. In fact, he actually specializes in that because none of us deserve it. You're not looking at somebody who made it. You're looking at somebody who God made by his grace. God gave. God gave. And the fullest understanding of our faith is to truly be givers because we realize that everything that we have is a gift. What do you have that you did not receive? What? What do you have? that you did not receive, it was given to you. No, 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 I really worked hard, Pastor. I worked hard and I picked myself up by my bootstraps and I worked hard at the business and I got to this place because of my own effort. But somebody gave you the opportunity. No, I started my own business. There was no opportunity. I started my own. Yeah, but somebody came and shopped your business. Yeah, but I was, I, was, I, I was really poor for a long, long time. Yeah, but somebody gave you breath. Let's boil it down to the basics, okay? Oxygen. Without that, you're not getting very far. Everything is a gift. I was in the car with my kids. I took them to McDonald's. I bought myself fries. I bought them chocolate milks for their Happy Meals. It was like four or five years ago, six years ago. And fries at McDonald's, they tend to dry out your mouth. So I said, hey, I don't remember who it was, Olivia or Connor. I said, hey, give me one of your chocolate milks. They said, no. (laughs) I said, what? They said, it's mine. Isn't it amazing how that comes natural? It's mine. No, 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 I handed it to you. Remember that exchange, remember? From the window into my window, back to you. That was an exchange, came through me. Do you remember that I am the vehicle through which your life exists? (laughs) Cut me off, you're out of luck. That's what I'm saying. It's amazing how quickly we forget that. Everything that we have is a gift. And my kids forgot. They forgot. If I take their chocolate milk, I could buy them another one. I could buy them a 1,000 chocolate milks. I could give them so much chocolate milks it would come out of their ears. (laughs) And because they forgot about that, they became stingy. And so often do we do the same as we forget that God is able to give us everything that we needed, everything that we could possibly want, because God gave. God gives. And to truly understand that, truly live like that, and to truly believe that is the fullest expression of the Christian life, and the fullest expression of the Christian life is giving. What's in your wallet? I want to give you four reasons to give that are not because we need it, but because you need to give it. Number one, when we fund the gospel, the gospel moves forward. Paul says to the Philippians that no other church entered into partnership with me in the gospel when I left Macedonia. You're the only ones, Philippians. You're the only church that gave. Here's what Paul would do. Paul would usually work with his hands. He would build tents because in the Roman world, if you were a philosopher, or if you were a teacher like Paul was, your message—if you were paid by somebody in the community—your message was tied to whoever paid your way, and so people could deny your message based on who paid your way. It was called patronage. And so, if somebody had a problem with whoever was funding Paul, they could deny Paul's message based on who was funding him. So he refused to take funding, and he would make tents. And what he would do is he would start churches and then he would move on to another church. And then sometimes he would ask the church where he had started the church in the other city to pay his way in the new city. But yet, the only church that did that. I mean, in Acts chapter 16, you can read about it. He goes from Philippi uh, to Athens to, uh, I'm sorry, no, to Thessalonica to Berea to Athens to Corinth. And he starts all these churches, but none of those churches funded his way, only the Philippians. And they give, and then he says, This is what you did. This is what you did when you funded my way. You partnered with me in the gospel message. Listen to me very carefully. When you tithe in this church, when you give in this church, you're partnering with us in the gospel message. You're becoming a partner. What you see happening here, what you hear happening here, the baptism testimonies, the life changes, the people that you see that have been ransomed from darkness and set free into everlasting life, you have a hand in that because you gave to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you empowered the gospel to be preached. Amen. I mean, what a powerful testimony we've, we've heard today of a, of a woman on the railroad tracks waiting to die. Waiting to die. And has gone from the door of death through the door of life, Jesus Christ, at this church through the gospel of Jesus. All praise to him for what he has done. But every single one of you that give here had a hand in that. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, describes money as a seed. It's a seed. It's a seed. That is, that wherever you plant money, things grow. Wherever you plant seed, life happens. Things get bigger, better, bear fruit. Wherever you're putting your money is going to make something grow. Maybe not the right thing. Have you ever noticed how opulent casinos are? They're opulent. They're gorgeous. They're incredibly ornate. Beautiful. You walk into a, a casino in America, it's like walking into a, 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 a palace. We even named them after palaces, the Taj Mahal. Come and let it ride at the Taj Mahal. Why are they so opulent? I mean, you ever notice how the food is so good and it's so cheap? How many know that a buffet at a casino is a big time deal? You're all afraid to raise your hands in church (laughs) but you've been to a casino. Bunch of liars in this church. you can eat prime rib for $3.95. Come on. They know that your money is flowing in through those machines. They don't need to charge that much for the food. Why are they so opulent? Why are they so liberal with the food? I go to casinos just for the food. Because they're getting tons and tons and tons of seed. Everybody's putting their seed in. The reason why we have And you never notice how politicians, whenever the economy tanks... Start talking about casinos. The economy's bad. What should we do? Build a casino. It's like the answer to our problems is a casino. <laughs> really? And, and the politicians, be wary of this, because the politicians love the tax money that comes in, but they don't care about the families that get wrecked. So we need to watch what we're doing with our seed. When you plant your seed in the gospel, the gospel grows. You want to win America to Christ? Plant your seed in the gospel. Plant your seed in churches that are preaching Jesus. Not preaching politics, preaching Jesus. And watch what will happen as you're faithful in your giving. Because money is a seed. And we do need to feed the seed. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on him of whom they have never heard? In other words, there are people who have never heard. How can we expect them to believe if they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then he says this in verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Everything that God does He does through his word, through his voice. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do it? And God said. He creates with his word. He creates light. He creates life. He creates plants. He creates beasts. He creates the world as we know it through his word. So how do people become what 2 Corinthians 5.17 calls them new creations? How do they become new creations? Through his word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says it like this, that he who said, let there be light, has spoken into our hearts the light of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Salvation happens in people's lives. People are turned from darkness to light by the preaching of Jesus. I want to cover this area with the preaching of Jesus. I want to cover this town with the preaching of Jesus. That no matter what people say about us, at least they'll know what we are saying. That apart from Jesus, you have no hope. Apart from Jesus, you have no life. Apart from Jesus, you have no peace. But through Jesus, you have life and life everlasting to the glory of God the Father. That's what I want our church to be all about. And so when we fund the gospel, the gospel goes forward and lives are changed. And I don't get it, I don't understand it. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that words about Jesus can change human destinies. Isn't it crazy? I mean, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You could be at the casino. (laughs) But you're here listening to me talk about Jesus. What happened? The lights went on. How? Jesus was preached to you. Your heart was enlivened. Your heart was converted. And you bowed the knee to him. And your life has never been the same again. What's in your wallet? Are their souls going to heaven in your wallet? Number two, when we fund the gospel, God credits us in heaven. Okay, verse 17 again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek this fruit that increases to your credit. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Listen to me very carefully. Whatever you give to the gospel of Jesus Christ credits you in heaven and here. Some of you think, I know I should give so that in heaven I have a better reality. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But listen, Jesus said that you get credit there and here. Look what he says in Luke chapter 18, verse 29. There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more. In other words, whatever you've lost, whatever you've given, you'll get back many times more. When? In this time and in the age to come. Eternal life. When did eternal eternal life start for you? It started the day that you bowed the knee to Jesus. It doesn't happen when you die. It happens when you confess your sins to Christ and you're born again of the Spirit. Welcome to eternal life. And God rewards you now. And by the way, everything counts. Everything counts. The small stuff, the big stuff, everything in between. Because Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus says, Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's my disciple, I say to you, he will not, by no means, lose his reward. Let me correct something that a lot of people believe about heaven. Heaven's gonna be glorious, heaven's gonna be wonderful, heaven's gonna be amazing, but heaven will not be equal. Heaven will not be equal. There is no scriptural proof for a socialistic heaven. You will be credited for what you did. You do not arrive at the pearly gates and Peter hands you standard-issue harp, <laughs> robe, and cloudlet. So that all eternity you're floating on your cloud playing your, your harp. And some people think, that's heaven. Oh, that's what heaven's like? Okay, good, as long as I'm not burning forever in hell. That's not heaven, that's a Tom and Jerry commercial. Or a cartoon. <laughs> that's not Heaven. Heaven's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. Everything that we love about this earth, everything that we love about this universe now without sin, without death, without disease, without cancer, without age, without sniffles, without the flu. Hallelujah. No more flu, praise God. No more snow, too, I, heard. I checked with God. That's, <laughs> that's true. Heaven's going to be wonderful, but it is not, not going to be equal. Revelation chapter 22, the last book of the Bible. Jesus wants to remind us in the last, last chapter of the Bible, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. What you do for Jesus gets credit in heaven. Some of you are going to be blown away by what God gives you in the eternal life. Blown away. You mean everything that I did for Jesus is rewarded? Absolutely. And you're going to be like, oh, wow. God's going to suit you up with a Mercedes Benz in heaven. Others of you, skateboard. (laughs) Get busy. No, I don't know about that. But nonetheless, uh, heaven won't be equal. I don't do it for the rewards, pastor. I don't do it for the rewards. I do it because it's right. Stop being so spiritual. (laughs) Jesus told us to do it for the rewards. He did. He told us to do our good works, not to be seen by men, but to be seen by our Father who rewards. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for, key word, who? Yourselves. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and thieves do not break in and steal. Young people, listen to me. Young people. It is not YOLO. You do not live only once, you live twice. It is YOLT. Hashtag YOLT. You will die, and all your stuff will be left behind. And everybody will come to the church and cry and talk about you and go to the cemetery and bury you and then go back to the fellowship hall and eat potato salad. (laughs) And it will be over. And you will have nothing that you thought was so important here, there. But what you do for Jesus will be there. And the credits that you gain from serving the Lord in whatever capacity is racking up to your credit for eternity. You're a fool not to do it. Rick Warren says it like this, that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I want you to do that. Are you funding the gospel? What's in your wallet? Number three, when we fund the gospel, God is worshiped. God is worshiped. He says that I'm well... Supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And then notice these words. These are Old Testament sacrificial terms. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. These are, these are Old Testament offering worship terms. Listen. Money is a worship issue. Do not ever think that worship is just a few minutes before I get up here and speak on Sunday morning. That's just singing in worship. Your life is worshiping something. You worship every day of your life. Worship comes from the old English word, "worship." ship worth-ship. Whatever you're making worth it in your life, that's what you're worshiping. What's worth it to you? Paul says when you give to the gospel, God's worship. When you give money, when you give time, when you give treasure, God is worshiped. That's worship. It's saying, God, you're worth it. What's worth it to you? Some people make their kids all worth it. Everything is about their kids, They gotta give their kids everything. They gotta keep up with their kids' friends to make sure that their kids don't get mad at them and blame them for a bad life later on. So they overspend and overpay and pay extravagantly for gifts for Christmas and birthdays, all for these greedy little munchkins in their house who never know how to say thank you and turn into rotten adults. Stop spoiling your children for the sake of everybody else. Teach them to get by without. Teach them that a pair of jeans from Abercrombie and a pair of jeans from Walmart cover the same parts. (laughs) Be stingy with your kids. Why? So that when they finally can get a job, they will long to get one so they can pay for their own way. That's my strategy. (laughs) For some of you it's your golf game. It's your golf game. It's your hobby. You pay all these monies for hobbies and stuff like that and it's like, "Man, get over yourself. You're never going to be on the PGA Tour." <laughs> Come back to reality, friend. For some of you it's your cars. Your car. Oh, $600 a month for your car. Are you nuts? Seriously, are you crazy? Sell it. Take it back to the dealer. Beg them to take it back. I don't care. I I love my car. I don't need a BMW. I have a 2005 Honda Accord. I love it. It's got a dent in the front. It's my favorite part about the car because I can park it anywhere. I don't care who hits it, what happens to it. The best part about my car, the best part is that I have the title sitting in my file cabinet. Love it. That's the truth for both of our cars, Cheryl's car and my car. She has a nicer car because I'm a man of God. <laughs> but every once in a while I go to the file cabinet, I pull the title out and I'm just like, oh. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't have to pay anybody to drive my car. You said, how'd you get there? It was hard. I was in a bad lease and I had another car payment and we were paying like seven, uh, three, uh, six, $600 a month or whatever in car payments. I said, this is ridiculous. I watched a Dave Ramsey video. Showed me how to get rid of that stuff. It's awesome. Sell the car. And and commit to buying a piece of crap for two years. No, seriously. It's wonderful for character, too. You build character, you save money at the same time. And then you save the money up, then you buy a car cash. And that's it. And everybody who says to you, oh, it's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of maintenance. Everybody who says that to you is a car salesman. Don't listen to it. It's not nearly as much as you think. And you say, so what's worth it to you? What's worth it because money is a worship event? What's in your wallet? Is there worship there? And number four, when we fund the gospel, God faithfully funds our lives. Hmm? Another memory verse again. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Love that verse. But in context... He's saying, when you fund the mission of Jesus, God supplies every need. It's not a blanket promise to everybody. It's not a blanket promise to everybody. It's a promise to those who are captivated by the message of Jesus and fund it. Now, what's wonderful about this verse Paul is thanking the Philippians for their gift to him in Rome, and he says, I'm not sending anything back. I'm telling you who's going to pay you back. God's going to pay you back, which is powerful. It's a powerful principle for Christian giving. It's a powerful principle for Christian giving to escape from the stupid games we play when it comes to giving as Americans. What do we do? Well, I invited them to my barbecue. How come they haven't invited me to their barbecue? <laughs> Tip for tat, give to get. Well, I did that for them. How come they didn't do that for me? Or I bought them coffee. They didn't buy me coffee. Or I did that for them. And then we hold grudges and we get all mixed up in our hearts because somebody else did not pay us back for what we did for them. Reciprocity. It's just like a stupid game. goes back and around, circle and circle. And Paul says, stop it. You are free to give as a Christian. You are free to give and not expect anything back because God in heaven sees you. And will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I don't care how rich your friends are, God's richer. I'd rather get my riches from him than anybody else. And I'm free to give because he's watching out for me. Some of you say, okay, I get the whole every need deal. What about the wants? Because we're Americans. We're not need based, are we? We're want based. What about my wants? Well, the very next verse, Paul says, to God, to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever, amen. He's a father. And every good father, the best fathers, know not to give their kids everything that they want whenever they want it. But they do love to give them what they want, exactly when it's right for them to have it. And that's what your Father in heaven will do for you. What's in your wallet?